0: Welcome back to Heating Up, the podcast that talks about climate change in the Midwest. I'm your host, Emily Fisher, and today we're continuing our Under the North Star series, focusing our discussion on the environmental impacts on Minnesota's lakes and parks. First, we're going to talk to Mike Davis, Natural Resource Program Consultant for the Minnesota DNR, about freshwater mussels and their key role in Minnesota's ecosystems. And then later, we're joined by Ed Quinn, Natural Resource Program Supervisor, also for the DNR, who gives us insight into how recreation in Minnesota is changing because of our climate crisis. All right, so first we are talking to Mike Davis about Minnesota's freshwater mussels. So Mike, can you explain why mussels are so important for Minnesota's water ecosystems?
1: They clean the water, for one thing. and One of the favorite foods of these filter-feeding mollusks turns out to be E. coli bacteria. They're very efficient at removing it from the water column, eating it, and then when they excrete their own body waste from their filtering of food, they create a little microhabitat of nitrogen and phosphorus in the water that supports a diverse array of algae species that in turn insect larvae and other invertebrates graze on. Fish come to eat the invertebrates and big fish come to eat the little fish. They, create these biological hotspots in rivers where all sorts of life thrives. So you have a positive feedback loop that that gets created and the fish that are hanging around there get mussel larvae on them and perpetuate the mussel bed. So some of these mussel beds were probably thousands of years old in the Mississippi when we came along and wrecked it all.
0: Okay, so what does Mike mean by that? Well, historically, mussels were very abundant in Minnesota's rivers and lakes. Mike estimates that there were anywhere from 200 to 400 mussels within every square meter of river bottom. But then people happened. Pearl hunters hit the rivers with vigor, and in the late 1800s, factories began making buttons out of shells and harvested massive quantities of mussels. Urbanization of the Twin Cities caused pollution and sewage to seep into waterways, killing the already depleted mussel populations. Today, activists have driven away button factories and pearl hunters, and the Clean Water Act has somewhat improved pollution near the Twin Cities. But mussel populations still haven't fully recovered, likely because of other human activities. For example, dams prevent fish from spreading mussel larvae, sewage treatment plants excrete new chemicals and pharmaceuticals that impact mussel reproduction, and salting icy roads actually leaches chloride into the water rays, which can kill mussels. And then there are zebra mussels, an invasive species undoubtedly introduced by humans, which holds back mussel populations from recovery.
1: It's not just the Mississippi, but as I said, it was most of the rivers in in southern Minnesota uh, and even in northern Minnesota. But we think that getting that back would improve water quality and fishing and recreational activities. We'd have cleaner, clearer water. So there are health benefits to it all as well.
0: So can you tell me more about your project and what the DNR is doing to help support mussel populations?
1: What we're really most engaged in right now is monitoring sites around the state where we've established a data set to uh, track what's going on with mussel populations. And based on that and our statewide survey sites, we've identified three different rivers systems where we're working on reintroductions right now. So we're rearing mussels of several species. so we've got baby mussels growing in our lab in Lake City. Some are, we're reintroducing into the Mississippi River in the Twin Cities area, an area that was a total dead zone for decades because of pollution has now largely recovered and supports most life. So that's kind of cool. Another site is the Cedar River near Austin, Minnesota and the Cannon River system. Both of those are tributaries to the Mississippi. We will be uh, starting a new project this spring To work with the Minneapolis Park Board to uh, introduce or reintroduce mussels into the Mississippi River in downtown Minneapolis. And uh, part of what they want to do is get the mussel populations up and running again because they provide a lot of ecosystem benefits to the river.
0: That was Mike Davis, program consultant with the Minnesota DNR. Now we're going to transition and talk to Ed Quinn, natural resource program supervisor in the Division of Parks and Trails, also within the DNR. Thank you so much for joining us, Ed. How have you seen climate change impacting Minnesota's parks and recreational areas?
2: You know, invasive species are certainly uh, one of the biggest. They, you know, it's been said that they will probably disproportionately benefit from climate change because of their ability to invade altered environments.
0: Okay, so what Ed is talking about is how invasive species invade altered environments like environments that have been impacted by climate change. Invasive species already have an unnatural advantage over native species because they don't have any natural predators. They disrupt the stability of the ecosystems that they invade and can be especially harmful to ecosystems that are already unstable because of climate change. So, for example, Mike mentioned earlier that zebra mussels have been a problematic invasive species in Minnesota waterways. They basically attach to native mussels, eat all their food, and smother them, which obviously throws off the balance of Minnesota's aquatic environments. Now, remember those climate impacts that Dr. Kenny Blumenfeld told us about in Monday's episode? So higher temperatures, increased precipitation, and pollution from industry? These make Minnesota's ecosystems even more vulnerable to instability and invasive species. It's like this awful positive feedback loop where climate change allows invasive species to thrive, and then invasive species make ecosystems even more vulnerable to the impacts of climate change.
2: And so we, we've spent more time thinking about trying to ensure that our communities are resilient that we're still trying to use native species, but we're using individuals that are more likely to be successful in a future climate. People often ask, and it's well, you know why do you need to do that? Part of our job is to retain that natural landscape. But certainly if you have monocultures of invasive species, that's going to be problematic because now the habitat is degraded for, for rare species and, and for even just other native species. We have to do that to try to maintain the integrity of the communities that we're responsible for managing.
0: Last episode, we learned that one of Minnesota's climate impacts is that we're getting more rain than ever before. Is this impacting state parks?
2: One of the things that's really impacted both our natural resources and our visitors and staff is these mega rain events. And so these are where you get six inches or more of rainfall over like a thousand square miles and, and the core will be over eight inches of rainfall. So if you compare 2000 to 2022 versus 1970 to 2000, the number of those events has increased two and a half times. And when they happen, they cause millions of dollars of damage. Is the DNR
0: getting the necessary funding for all these conservation efforts? And what are Minnesotans' attitudes toward this funding?
2: We've been very fortunate in Minnesota because we were able to pass the Legacy Amendment.
0: The Clean Water, Land, and Legacy Amendment was passed in 2008, and it increased state sales tax by three-eighths of a percent to be distributed to maintaining Minnesota's clean water, outdoor heritage, arts and cultural heritage, and parks and trails.
2: And so it's pretty unique and, and it really demonstrates the passion that Minnesotans have for their natural resources and for the outdoors. Yeah, we've been very fortunate that that funding has come along so that as we see these additional challenges coming forward, yeah, we're feeling like we're, we're in pretty good shape to address them.
0: The Legacy Amendment is contracted to continue until 2034, meaning that we are just about halfway through its commitment. The DNR actually performed a sort of midpoint check-in in 2018 to see how Minnesotans were receiving the increased tax. And here's what they found.
2: Largely, there is a great deal of support that they are seeing the work that the department and other agencies uh, involved in these projects to improve water quality, improve outdoor recreation opportunities, improve natural resources, and so yeah, we've gotten very good feedback from, from the public and the advisory groups.
0: Have you seen attendance at Minnesota State Parks change over the years? And if so, how?
2: Sort of climate change related, what we've been seeing is there's more visitors wanting to come to parks in what we, you know, what we call the shoulder season, so essentially the spring and the fall. And the way we're staffed up is we have a large number of folks that are, are sort of permanent seasonals. They come back every year, but they come back for a certain part of the season. And so as visitor interest has gotten farther out into those shoulder seasons, we don't have the staffing that we normally would to help take care of the parks when you've got that bigger volume of people. So we're having to to look at our our staffing model and figure out, okay, if, if now we're going to be getting this really great weather in April, or we're still getting these beautiful days in the fall, how do we find a way to to be able to staff our units out so that people can continue to use more of the facilities that we used to think of more as just sort of the Memorial Day to Labor Day usage. And, and then what was really interesting with the, the pandemic, and, and I'm not necessarily say this is causation, but it's certainly correlation, is we had a record high attendance about 25% higher than we had pre-pandemic in 2019. So all of a sudden we had all of these people coming, which was great on one hand. We were getting a lot of people that had never been to state parks before. So that was wonderful. And what we're seeing is that the attendance is still high this year.
0: That was Ed Quinn, Natural Resource Program Supervisor for the Minnesota DNR. This concludes our second episode in the Under the North Star series. Stay tuned for next week for a special bonus episode. This has been Heating Up, the podcast that talks about climate change in the Midwest. I'm your host, Emily Fisher. Thanks for listening.